Hello, my name is Ed Palmer from 212 Radio and welcome back to Internal Communications in the Raw, the podcast from the Institute of Internal Communications. This pod is all about getting our hands dirty when it comes to questions about the sector and not shying away from any difficult answers. On this episode, we have Zoe Shaughnessy, who is Head of Internal Communications at the British Heart Foundation. Listen out for Zoe's insights on how to best equip and support leadership teams to be the best communicators they can be. And how a charity like the British Heart Foundation, with a dispersed and varied workforce of colleagues and volunteers, actually reflects the challenges of so many organisations in 2021 as we navigate our new ways of working. Over to Jen and Dom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our latest Internal Communication in the Raw podcast. As always, we're hosted today by myself, Jen Sproul, the Chief Exec of the IOIT, and my wonderful co-host, who's Dominic Walters. Hi, Dom. Nice to be back with you today. Hi, Jen. Nice to be back here as well. And today we're thrilled to be joined by Zoe Shaughnessy, who is a newly appointed IOIC Fellow and is also Head of Internal Communication for the British Heart Foundation. So, Zoe, it's a pleasure to have you and welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Jen. That, that's given me goosebumps, actually. It's the first time I've been called a fellow. So thank you so much. Good to be here. Brilliant. So we're going to kick off today. And I think, Dom, you're going you're gonna to lead the charge this morning. Yes, thank you very much. Well, Zoe, let's start with, I guess, what is pretty much a topical question, which is we're at a stage now where lots of organisations are looking to returning to the workplace. And many of them are trying to do it so that they co-create with their people rather than impose a solution upon them. So it'd be great to know what you're doing at the British Heart Foundation and the role that you're playing as in telecommunication within that. Yeah, you're right. Thanks for the question. It's so topical, isn't it? And um, at the British Heart Foundation, we're always thinking about the future and kind of ways of working going forward. And I think this last year has really kind of brought into focus like the potential about how we might work and going forward, opening up huge possibilities. And um, so as at the BHF, we have a people experience um, and we're always kind of exploring how we can capture insights, listen to our colleagues, and that's what we've done from the start of the pandemic and before. So for, for this one, we were kind of looking at um, what does it mean to, to work in a pandemic? What does it mean to kind of take learnings from that? And we engaged with the wider organisation with a, a piece called Workplaces Reimagined. And where we went out to the organisation and asked them, well, you know, what's your biggest learnings? And what's worked well for you? What are your aspirations for the future? As an organisation, we have made the decision to, um, for those outside of shop and store to work uh, from home until the end of the year. So we've got a little bit of a longer lead in time in terms of how we could maybe work in a more blended way, which um, feedback suggests a lot of our colleagues would like to. So we're just kind of midway through that. We've got a programme of work called Flexibly Connected. So it involves kind of uh, working through what that means from how we communicate flexibly connected, how we seek insights, and also what the possibilities of flexibly connected mean um, from a comms perspective, i.e. practical things like posters and and digital um, support. So yeah, we're we're thinking through that at the moment. That's a lot to think through, Zoe. And obviously you're a charity and multifaceted types of employees and volunteers. And what are the sort of unique challenges that you think that you face in your particular sector? I think working in the charity sector actually presents more opportunities than challenges. I mean, it's so refreshing and motivated to work with colleagues across an organisation that are just so focused on like a, a greater purpose. From a charity perspective, if we're talking about biggest challenges, probably that we need to make the most of every pound entrusted to us. 
So from an internal comms perspective, that means that we've really got to challenge ourselves in terms of our creativity, in terms of often working on zero budget or a budget on the shoestring, as it were. So thinking about like what can have the most impact and how we allocate resources for our audiences. So, yeah, I think it's around cost and making sure that we, we make um, the most of every pound entrusted to us. One of the things you talked about there is how you work with different people within your sector. You've got volunteers, you've got employees, you've got the public as well. And I guess leaders are incredibly important with that. And I know one of the themes in previous podcasts, uh, which people have been interested in, is how to get leaders to be great communicators. So what's been your approach at the, at the BHF, Zoe? I think it's been exacerbated through COVID times. Um, the role of leaders um, in communicating is absolutely integral. And what we've seen emerge through the pandemic is that not everybody with a you know, leader in their title is actually exemplifying those kind of communication skills that we would really want. Um, we've provided guide rails to support colleagues, storytelling workshops, FAQs, um, listen to what they needed as well to really make sure that they were on the front foot for empowering people through the pandemic and, and going forward as well. And we increased our senior leadership group briefings from like what was quarterly, maybe twice a year to every month so that they had the latest information. And we kind of set up things like random coffee chats so that people were connecting with their people in a more informal way. Our chief executive actually only joined the organization in, in January, February last year. So we really embraced virtually visible leadership and supporting her, thankfully, through things like live Teams events. And she's um, diligently kind of been doing weekly vlogs and blogs, just keeping people up to date with the latest information. And even when the messaging was tough and, and complex, it was really important that we kept communicating in the cadence and the rhythm of communication. I think it's an ongoing um, you know, opportunity and challenge as well to make sure that our leaders are fully equipped and are telling the most inspiring story to their people. Well, can I pick you two questions about that? One yeah. is, is a great, was it virtual visibility? Yes. Can you tell us a bit more about that, please, eh? what it is and, and how you do it? Yeah, so I think it's just we've been super grateful for Microsoft and Microsoft Teams live events. So making sure that there's a presence of leadership. So we had things like um, in conversation with events, which we're running actually probably at twice a week. So live events for all our colleagues, whether they were, you know, on furlough, because at one point, 80 percent of our colleagues were on furlough, whether they um, were just learning to work from home. So it was making sure that our executive group and our senior leaders were very, very visible in a remote way. And then building on that, you, something else you mentioned it'd be great to know a bit more about is, is how you've actually equipped your leaders to, to do this. Because it's quite daunting, I, I imagine, to address even virtually a large number of people. And so what sort of skills did you give them and how did you give them those skills? Um, for us, it was about making sure that they were the first to know information so that they had an opportunity before messaging was going out to discuss, to ask questions, to feedback on what was being shared. That was challenging in itself in that, you know, we were often working very, very quickly, um, responding to external environments, but just making that premise that, you know, leadership would hear first. So I think it, it's being on the front for having that information up front um, and in advance where possible was really important. So I like one more question on that. What about some of the, the interaction skills? Because one of the things we find with leaders is, they find it daunting sometimes to, to present, but even more daunting to get conversation going. And that's tough over a virtual medium as well. So how did you manage to get leaders to do that? I think at the start, um, like many people, it was new. Like you say, it was daunting. It wasn't necessarily something that they were comfortable with or used to. So I think it was just making it as easy for them as, as possible. So, you know, 
preparing as far as we could. But as we kind of moved through that journey and they felt more comfortable and they kind of spent more time in front of the camera or via audio on podcasts or virtual setting, it eased up. And, you know, it, there was jokes thrown in and kind of that conversation as well, encouraging dialogue from colleagues. There's some big sort of, I guess, moments or life questions or work questions. And you talked about how challenging it is in an environment of cost. But with all those things that you've learned and all the things that are talked about, all the things that have the power of purpose that you have, particularly within a charity, what are your sort of aspirations for the internal comms function at BHF for, for the next perhaps three years? You know, we are extremely aspirational at the BHF just because of the, the nature of the work we do. So, you know, power, powering science, it's hard not to be aspirational internally as well. Um, and I think this year in particular, so just thinking it through. So first year, I think we're still very much in the transition and recovery year. We need to support our colleagues in, on, on that journey of change, new ways of working and building resiliency from a comms perspective so that they have the tools to feel like they can work through this journey because we're still living you know we're not out of the woods yet we're still living with the impact of covid so supporting our shop and store colleagues bringing back you know our live events bringing back in-person events um we you know we took a massive hit from a funding perspective last year so we're trying to recover and make sure our, our people are brought on that journey and you know encouraging and inspiring volunteers to return i think um aspirationally thinking about data driven we really want i think three years time would want to be much more sophisticated in our use of data and insights so less focused on output more focused on impact and behavioral change and whatever new tools might support that as well mixing obviously the qualitative and quantitative elements but i think externally from a kind of customer understanding of customer data i think you know internally we want that for our internal communications um, insights as well so three years from now would really be like to be driven by data using you know, taking action led by insight. Storytelling, we've mentioned it, it's not new, but I do think it's something that you continually have to work really hard at. Creating a network of colleagues around the organisation, um, you know, that are really fantastic storytellers. Um, as with many um, organisations, particularly charities, advocacy is really important. So um, it's really integral for us to get that story right, not only for an Intel perspective, but so that people can kind of go out and share that with their networks as well. And those that they, you know, come into contact with as well this year shown us as always but the importance of like diverse voices really want to drive accessibility of our communication so how people access particularly in a remote way as well or blended working way how, how do people interact with our communications what changes um, from like an equity diversity and belonging perspective and I think for us at the BHF this year, we've blossoming new relationship with our colleagues in corporate affairs and, and look forward to maximising the stories we have to share, both internally and externally. And I think building that bridge between the two is more important, is very important, something that I really hope to cultivate over the next three years. And we're nothing without a happy, contented team. So three years, I want, I want the team to be as fulfilled and enriched as they are right now, feeling suitably stretched and enjoying the work that they do to continue to inspire people. That's a great list. So there's so much packed into that. And it's wonderful to hear so much aspiration. I just wanted to pick up on one before you go on to the next thing that you just talked about, which I think is a real kind of area of struggle or challenge that we've had in internal comms is this data driven and insight driven. Is that sort of, I guess, in your eyes, if this is a hopefully a simple enough question to answer, if not, a kind of what does that dashboard have on it? What is that key, those key pieces of data you think that will make that data driven difference? Oh, such a good question. Um, I think it's about audience led feedback. I think that's really important in terms of what our audiences are saying. I think 
metrics around how it changes behavioral change. So um, linking it into other people data like engagement, people that are staying with the organization, how you know engaged our teams are. I think as well from change project perspective, it should be kind of baked into change projects. What does this mean? What impact is internal communications having on outcomes and behavioral change you know from a well-being perspective um i would you know really feel that from an internal communications that should be in there a well-being factor how we're sharing information about well-being coupled with delivery uh, and impacts you know nation's leading heart charity really important for us so you mentioned that uh, I think to create your words, we're not out of the woods yet when it comes to the pandemic. So this may be slightly premature, but it would be good to look back over the last 18 months and to understand some of the key learnings for you personally, I think, as a communicator. And then secondly, for your team, what would they be? No, I love this question. I love this question. I mean, like many in the internal comms teams across you know, the world, I found this like professionally the most stretching and yet enriching period of my career. And I've been in internal comms and communications for nearly 20 years. So you think that we've probably consolidated learning that we would normally take five years into the space of like a year to 18 months. So, you know, putting some perspective on it. For me, like I've said you know, previously, and it relates to the aspiration. Audience insight and knowledge is everything. You have to understand the audience. When we had 80% of people on furlough, we really needed to think about how we were communicating with them and that connection to the cause, given that they didn't have to tune into the BHF live events because they were on furlough. But also we wanted to make sure that sense of connection, they were you know, energised to return. And also noting it was a global pandemic, but people experienced that very, very differently um, wherever they sat in the organisation, their personal you know, circumstances. So it was never a one size fits all. So we needed to make sure that we're tailing communications to reflect that. It's not new, but I, I just think really important to call out um, empathy, connection, human communications. We want to hear from humans. We want to have that personality behind the communications that we're sharing. That's what played out in, in, in terms of people stories that really, really featured really highly on, on, on what people wanted to see and benefited from. I also think if you do right by your people, and I mean that in the widest sense, so you share information when you have it, even if it's complex and tough, and many times during this period it has been particularly, you earn their respect and trust and, and that kind of build you know, sustainability and, and, and a solid foundation for the future. Again, not new, but really important to, you know, sometimes the, you know, the most important things are simple. And I think it is to keep it simple. You know, people were time poor, scared, challenged. You just needed to make it easy for people to somehow have that glimmer of hope or feel good about things. And also that huge learning, like many, is that there is an unmute button and it's wise to use it in online events. <laughs> I'm sure there are some stories behind that. <laughs> Just building on that last point to a degree, um, for you personally, what do you think the biggest learning uh, or the biggest growth for you as a communicator has been in the last 18 months? For me, it's it goes back to that point around empathy and connection um, the power of our communications is centered around building that connection without a shadow of a doubt it really was and how we create that connection how we sustain it how we kind of play it back for people in different parts of the organization and the focus as well you know interesting to hear about other internal comms practitioners but I feel it was particularly pertinent for, for a charity at this time yeah I, mean, I think we saw that across all the organizations we've been talking with that uh, the idea that people just need to connect to make messages relevant, to understand other people, to demonstrate empathy. It's always been there. 
but it has massively increased, I think, in the last 18 months. We're really, we're really picking up on that. So how do we convince anybody that's thinking about it to opt for a career in internal communication? Oh, wow. Um, I feel, and I'm sure I have a lot of other people across the you know, internal comm space sort of feeling the same way that they've got the best job in the world. And I feel really like grateful and lucky to do what I do. Um, I, I spoke to my team about this as well today. And, and the, the kind of feedback in terms of wanting people to come into this, this sector is um, very, very similar, actually. It's such a varied and diverse role um, in internal comms, such interesting people. And you get to work with inspirational leaders and people, you know, across the piece, which makes it interesting. Um, and you get to affect positive change. Um, a large part of what we do is creating a, you know, a compelling people experience and that engages people with the work they do and makes them have a good day, you know, in their, in their working lives. Got a supportive, really supportive IC community as well. What, what's not to love about that? And personally, I'm, I'm nosy or inquisitive, as I like to say. So every is a is a school day for, for me in internal communication and you get to kind of flex your creativity through writing design video audio it's just it's such a you know multifaceted part of comms one of the most common questions that people get asked is what do you do and as internal comms practitioners we've got a real um, direct influence on how people articulate that um, and i think that's really special you could say to some degree, we hold some of the future in our hands. Oh, love it. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast and joining us. And it's such fascinating work that you're doing. And we look really forward to working with you as an IOIC fellow as well. Brilliant. Thanks. Been delight to see you both. Thanks so much. And you too, Ed. Thank you, Zoe. Um, fantastic to hear Zoe confirm What's so true for many of us in internal communications that this pandemic period has been, yes, incredibly challenging, yet also extremely rewarding for all internal comms specialists. If you'd like to discuss any of the subjects that Zoe touched on, or you've got any suggestions for topics that you'd like to hear discussed on this pod, please email Jen. Her address is jennifer at ioic.org.uk. Thanks for listening.